Well, welcome everyone. Good to be here. Thank you for giving up a holiday weekend night to come out. But uh, I know it's going to be a good time together. And I uh, just want to thank you for coming. Some have uh, had babysitters and appreciate you doing that. And others have uh, had to just one person comes and the other stay at home. So uh, that's just however we're recording it so we can share it anyway. And uh, so just welcome. It's great to be here. I want to just, uh, just talk a little bit about what we're doing. Um, it was uh, so that we're just clear what's happening tonight. And uh, we're expecting the Holy Ghost to come and help us and touch us. And uh, it's great. And I always expect in times like this that God will come. We're in an exciting, tremendous season of change. And uh, it's just a wonderful time for the church, wonderful time, but also a challenging time. And so tonight is not a leadership meeting. Tonight is a pastoral meeting. It's a meeting for the church family. And uh, I haven't put any kind of uh, hype or pressure or anything around selling the meeting. I just laid out essentially what we're going to do. We're going to just talk a little bit about change so you're clear or have some understanding of change, what is happening. And uh, also, we're going to get some testimonies uh, of just how that change has affected some of us personally, what changes we're making and how that's outworking. And uh, then uh, the Lynn's going to share just a little bit about uh, how, how we can uh, recognize issues in our heart that we need to break through, to break through for change. And uh, then we're going to come together and come in at the end. It's going to be a very good time. So uh, it's, a, it's a great journey, also a journey of faith. You know, every time, uh, I, I love to have everything's laid out. I like it like that, but sometimes it isn't always that clear. And uh, that puts the edge on it, eh? But uh, one of the things that's been a catalyst for this change is that God began to speak to me personally. And uh, I have a journal in which I've written down the things that the Lord said, and he spoke of tremendous change. And uh, he spoke of a whole number of changes in the church of things that he wanted to do. And uh, particularly he spoke of changes uh, in the heart, changes uh, in, uh, in uh, how we're organized, changes also that would begin in the youth and would go from the youth into the administration, into the staff, and then into the uh, leadership of the church and into church body. And so I've looked at my, uh, my book and we're sort of on track with everything unfolding exactly as the Lord said it would. And uh, he promised then to begin to expand us in terms of vision and capacity and in terms of influence. So there's a whole faith dimension. I got that just waiting on God after a season of fasting. And uh, so I want to just talk a little bit about the changes that are taking place uh, and uh, how they began. Uh, there have been two or three significant things, but really it started last year, beginning of last year uh, for me, really when God began to speak about his desire for a greater, a greater release of the supernatural of the Holy Spirit in the church and began to show us and uncover for us ways in which he was being blocked and how he wanted to do much more and where he wanted to do it. And uh, we uh, had an, uh, a meeting. I met with Ian and Lynn and Joy, and we came here and we knelt just here and just wept and wept as we opened and we began to open our hearts for the Holy Spirit to make a change. And uh, you always don't know when you start to say, God, change me, whatever you want to do. You don't quite know where that will end up. And uh, it always ends up good, but it's not quite the way you expect it. And uh, if I could say it's not quite the way I expect it, it's an understatement of my life. Uh, it was just totally different in some respects. So let's just talk. I want to ask two or three questions. First of all, uh, what changes are taking place? I want to answer the question why they're taking place. Then I want to look at then what pressure that people are feeling. Because people, no doubt, everyone has been alert to anything spiritual would be feeling pressure. And will you be feeling turmoil? You'll be feeling some things around you. I want to identify what you're feeling and why you're feeling it. 
And uh, I want to also show for you that it's not just here, it's also across, across churches in the bay. And, uh, so, and then I want to just, uh, just share personally what I've changed, what I've done to shift my life. And then others are going to do the same. And uh, so we're just uh, talking from a heart level here tonight. So in a, first of all, what are the changes that are taking place? The first, uh, now, first, uh, let me just give them to you quickly without explaining all that means, just so you have an idea. God is transitioning our church from being one kind of church to being another. It's transitioning it from being pastoral, which is very focused around people and their needs and ministering to needs, very, very ministry-centered, into becoming apostolic and having much more focus around purpose and engaging the community. Uh, we have had seasons where we've worked to engage the community in the past, and uh, we've had limited success. Some of that is the, the way we're going about it and the methods we use. Some of it is actually internally the shifts that are needed inside people in the church. And uh, inevitably, we have to deal with heart things before we get external shifts. Uh, second thing is that we have uh, been establishing an apostolic prophetic government over the church to create spiritual order. I'll touch on that a little bit later. Uh, you may not fully understand what that means. And then why is that important? Well, it's very important because the nature of a church, if we want more of the Holy Ghost, you have to have proper spiritual governance. Even if you don't understand what it means, you can feel what it means when it's there. And you can feel what it means when it's not there. So in spiritual governance, that means that people with apostolic prophetic callings are positioned. So about a year and a half ago, prophets prayed me and set me in apostolic. I had no idea what that meant, but it was great. It felt good, but what does it mean, you know? And uh, then middle, late last year, I really felt my heart to set Ian and Lynn into role as prophets in the house. And, uh, and so we actually had apostolic prophetic oversight for the house. And then we've had a journey of trying to work out what that meant and how that would work. Now, you understand, I haven't been able to copy other models. I'd love to. I'd love to just go to that church and pick up what they do and bring it here. It'd be much easier. However, God spoke to me very clearly. He said, you must preserve DNA and you must be original. So uh, the, the, the result of setting in apostolic and prophetic governance is very simple. You actually end up encountering spiritual powers. And what I mean by that is very simply witchcraft and religious spirits. Witchcraft and religious spirit shut a church down and cause it to be passive, self-centered, and oriented towards just being just there, and not towards warfare, towards mission, towards global commission. And so one of the things that we engaged in in this last season has been massive pressure of witchcraft against us personally, against the church, and, and everyone would have felt that. And I'll, I'll explain to you what you might have felt shortly. A, a third thing that uh, a fourth thing we've had to deal with is the area of the roots and fruits of that in the church. And if I could identify one fruit or one result of witchcraft operating is this. People get disconnected relationally. Walls go up in the hearts. People get isolated, feel alone. There's barriers in the hearts and they can't seem to break through it. They always feel like there's some invisible wall, can't seem to get through. I want to show you it's very simple to get through it. It's not hard at all if you know what it is that you're dealing with and how to deal with it. It's very simple. And, uh, so, and then finally, we'll be resetting the vision and values of the culture of the church so we can actually begin to move it forward in the next five years towards being an apostolic church. And that will involve considering the next generation and how to bring them forward. So we're a church which has got people from all ages, from young to old, and, but we have to realize that the future of the church will lie in being able to engage the next generation and bring them forward up and into maturity and able to carry the baton for the next decade. And uh, so there are many shifts have to take place for that to take place. And uh, 
So those are, those are the changes that are taking place. And we've come through some of those, but not all of them. And uh, now, why are we making those changes? There's several reasons. Uh, the first reason is very simply, Holy Ghost spoke to me about it. He spoke to me personally about the need for change. Um, I find I don't always change very quickly. I find sometimes I get quite set and determined because I've got a whole course and stand up against things and I find it's not always easy to change. All of you would understand that. However, the Lord spoke very, very clearly about the change. He spoke to me in a download during a time of fasting. And uh, I, I had a season of fasting for 40 days. And in that time, uh, I began to hear very clearly from God about the changes and his concerns for his church, his desires for his church, his heart for his church. And, uh, but outworking that just takes a little bit of time. So, uh, so the first reason we need to change, the Holy Ghost is talking to us about change, talking to us uh, about becoming a church which is far more engaged in the community, far more powerful in terms of its members' involvement, far more impacting in terms of what we carry and what we achieve in the community. Uh, and uh, the, the second reason for we need to make change is an issue of identity. God spoke to me very clearly, you can't copy anyone else. You copy, you're not an original. You have to be you. Now, to be you means you have to be clear who you are. and That means what we are and what we're not. And uh, from the beginning, we've been a church committed to uh, the flowing of the Holy Spirit to heal broken hearts, broken lives. But God's want to lift it to a different dimension where it influences at the, uh, at the various levels of the community. And uh, God has called us to be a gateway church for the supernatural in this area. And so because of that, you just have pressure on you. I've talked with Norma Cloud. His church on the East Coast is a gateway church for the East Coast up in that area. And uh, he sees us as being a parallel kind of church here. He's gone through the transition we're making. We're just a part of the way. And uh, so uh, a, another reason we need to make uh, changes is because if we want an increase in the supernatural. I've just been so hungry for it. I see miracles over the world. Then I wrestle to get the breakthroughs, blind eyes healed, deaf ears open. There's just like there's a lid that feels it's there. So I felt the Lord say very clearly, you need to get governance right. You need to get the life of the people shifted, and you need to begin to focus the church. And uh, so that means brings me this, another reason why we need to shift and make changes is there needs to be a flow of unity and alignment around one vision and one purpose. And so we're going to have to move the church, and that will involve aligning. Uh, when people are disconnected, they become very independent, just do their own thing. When you begin to call people to unity, it's unity around a common purpose, a common thing we're trying to do, and a common strategy to get it done. And so there is going to be a, a, a gradual pulling of the church to become united around those common things. And to do that, we have to deal with the thing that disconnects us. And very clearly, no matter, in spite of all our efforts, there's very clearly a spirit powers has worked against us. And I'm, I'm onto it now, and I've declared war on it, and we're going at it. And so finally, uh, we have to mobilize the church to reach the community. There's no longer can we just engage and enjoy meetings where we're just experiencing something. We have to actually get God's heart and passion for lost people and begin to engage the community in meaningful ways. Now, it's happening in various areas of the church. There's lots more things going on than we realize, but we just need to actually focus the church down that route and down that path. When there's people who are giving out to the poor and helping the poor, there's people who are uh, working with the police, there are, there are a whole range of things that are going on, but the whole church needs to align around this so we can move outward. It's our community, and it's God's desire that we be responsible for its welfare. And uh, to, to do that requires 
not just setting up some programs. It requires shifting the way we think about our community and the way we think about God's work through us in the community. And uh, I started off that when I did a seminar on uh, apostolic uh, perspectives and metron and so on, but it needs to come right through the culture of the church. So what kind of pressures do people feel as a result of that? You may be experiencing. Uh, some of you may have felt pressure, some may not. Some may know what I'm talking about. But the kinds of things that people would feel when witchcraft pushes against us, and it has been for probably about six to nine months, it's been the most, I could say it's the most difficult season I've had in my whole ministry career. Whole, the whole time, the last year, and particularly the last month, nine months of the last year. And uh, I asked uh, my brother and sister-in-law to come in and look at organizational matters, and they were able to identify some weak areas and shortcomings that we could work on. But in the end, they came and they said, <clears throat> we can't shift it. The issues are spiritual. That's what triggered me off and uh, joy off and others into a season of fasting. <clears throat> so uh, this is what would you feel like if, how would you recognize if spiritual witchcraft was attacking you here's what you'd feel and maybe some of you have felt this you would feel disconnected you can't understand why but you're just quite disconnected you've got no idea why you would feel pressure comes on you and it feels like there's a ceiling on you you may feel like a heaviness that you can never shake off you may feel uh, as though there's the prayer when you try to pray you just What's the use? I'm getting nowhere. It's just like there's a lid, and you cannot break through that lid. It feels like a heavy thing over you, and, and it's like a lid in a ceiling. Now, we've experienced that in meetings week after week for probably quite some time now. It's taken a huge amount of energy to break through it because it's a spiritual pressure, and it doesn't matter how prayed up the musicians get, how anointed or enthused they get. At the end, the whole church has to stand up. It's a pressure that comes. It's an invisible pressure, but it's a pressure. Uh, it brings separation and division. It brings confusion, so you're confused and muddled. It causes you to feel isolated, and then you'll hear this kind of thing, I don't belong here. It'll just push on you and push on you and push on you. I don't really belong here. I'm not wanted here. I should get out. Now, I felt all of those things, and I know others have felt the same thing too. So these are kind of symptoms of it. There are a number of other things. But those are the, when, so when witchcraft pushes, you feel this. Now, we, we can defeat it very easily. Just got to know what it is and how to deal with it. Now, just to show you that this is not just, that this is a very real thing. Two nights ago, I had a pastor locally ring me. He said, I'm depressed, I'm suicidal, I'm tormented, I'm light awake at night, I cannot sleep, I cannot rest. This is so contrary to what I'm like. I said, well, how often does that happen? He said, about once a month, this thing comes around me, it pushes on me, and I just really lose it. I get very angry, get depressed, and I feel like I should kill myself. I said to him, you are being attacked by a spirit of witchcraft. And I'll show you how to deal with it right now. I talked with him how to deal with it, prayed for him over the phone, rang him the next day, said it shifted immediately. Now, that, if that was only one, you think, oh, that's just a coincidence. You know, but no, that's not the other. I was sitting with another couple of pastors and, and, and fellowshipping, and I began to, began to talk with them. And I opened up, and suddenly one of the pastors spoke out and said, I'm feeling depressed, I'm feeling de desperate, I'm feeling like there's hopelessness all around my life. I actually am feeling suicidal, and I've got no idea why. Now, that's pretty serious stuff, isn't it? So we, I said, oh, you've got to tackle witchcraft. We'll come and visit you and pray for you. We went and spent some time with them. We sat down with them. We talked with them. We helped them to see what was going on, prayed for them. Immediately, they changed. Immediately. Now, if two local pastors are going through that, 
and they're experiencing it in the same season we are, you know there is something there. And as a prophetic apostolic church, we're called to engage it. Now, other churches don't, and they're not called to, but we are. So we've got to learn how to grow in strength internally. So if we've got no spiritual strength, spiritual strength is developed by your heart being healed and whole, and it's developed by spiritual disciplines in the life, building a strong inner life. If you don't, you can't handle the pressure. Now, this is the call on our church. So we have to now look at what we need to do. And it's not just about having a plan, having uh, and some events, or having uh, a strategy, or having a lot more activities. We need to do some of those things. But that's all external. That doesn't change us. What changes us is the inner changes. Now, we need both. But at first, change starts on the inside, starts in the heart. And so I've come to, it's so tempting for me, because I know how to make things happen, to just make some things happen. But I felt God say, if you do it, you'll blow it. You need to address the issues of your own heart. You need to let me into your heart. And so uh, last year I made a decision to do that. Uh, I had no idea what that would mean and uh, quite a, a challenging process. But this is what I chose. I chose to enter into a fast for 40 days. Joe and I both did it. Never done one of those before, done 21 days. Chose to fast for 40 days and we took communion for 40 days and we began to cry out to God together that God would break into our lives. I figured that if there was any change in the heart was needed, start with us. And if it started with us, then God could do it anywhere in the house. So we began to fast and pray. And that initiated the most terrible time I've had for a long time. However, I've grown immensely through it, and I'm very happy I did this. I have no regrets whatsoever. <clears throat> but it was challenging. So... Every move in our lives begins with a decision. You have to make decisions if you want to change and shift. There's no altar call can really make all the difference. Altar calls help, they give power impartation, but real change is when we make decisions to change what we believe and how we behave. And this has been so, so very painful. So very painful. So the first thing I had to do was to face areas where my emotions had been shut down by pain and grief and disappointments through years of difficulties and challenges of ministry. You do the best you can and uh, you just hold on and I've learned how to stand in faith but often on the way your heart gets broken and so I've had a number of broken hearts on the way I suppose that go right back and I've dealt with a lot of it and I deal with it very quickly, I don't hold things. However at the heart level my emotions there was some major disconnection and uh, so I had to face that. Sometimes I'd find I'd talk with people, I'm not hearing them, I'm disconnecting from them. Sometimes I'd find there'd be issues and I'd be in so much pain, I, I found it so hard to face them and to confront them as strong as I should. And uh, there were a whole range of things that were in my heart. And just, if they're in there, you can, no matter what you try and do, if you don't shift your heart, then they're not going to change. We have to let our heart be changed and our thinking be changed. And uh, I found that there was these, this deep thing of, of judging and finding fault in myself. Been there since I was a child. Been there, I've grown up with it, and God exposed it. And uh, I've realized now how to, how to deal with it. So well, I made another decision. I made a decision to become vulnerable, to actually open my heart. Now, I've done it before. And, and uh, in two occasions when I did it before, the people 
I opened my heart to betrayed me. They actually gave the confidence it all away. So that set me back a few years. But however, this has changed time. So we took the risk again of becoming vulnerable. And in the last part of last year, I sat with Ian and with Lynn and with Joy, and we've sat and talked and opened our hearts to one another at a level uh, well beyond what we'd ever done before. So uh, what I mean by that is I opened my heart to become vulnerable, to let them see who I am, and to receive feedback so they could say what I needed to hear and perhaps didn't want to hear. And that's not always easy, eh? Um, as a result of that, it was most painful meeting. I can remember the meeting that triggered off so much of what's happening now in everyone. I can remember sitting there and as I sat there in a meeting and I could feel the Holy Spirit on, on us as a group. I remember God just putting in my heart the awareness, if you will open your heart and become vulnerable, you will make way for it to break right through the church. Just do it. And uh, I could see it all just a moment. And so it was incredibly painful, but I welcomed from Lynn and Ian, people I love. I welcomed input and feedback and, and uh, just them to speak in where uh, they had seen in my life areas of brokenness or lack or areas where uh, I had hurt them in some ways. Uh, you would have noticed over the last few years, there's been uh, like it's almost like we've all been all disconnected, and uh, but now you'll notice also that we're incredibly connected. So that was the process: was to become vulnerable, to open up, to get some feedback, and very, very painful. And uh, but however, and I chose, made another decision. I made a decision to take responsibility for where I had hurt people I love. Now, when we when we have brokenness in our life, we can hurt people we love. We can love people, but still hurt them. And uh, so I made a decision wherever I saw that or heard about it, I would deal with it by just repenting and asking forgiveness. And so we had a session where we sat and we were able to talk at a deep heart level and I was able to put right things which had been a source of hurt and grief for Lynn and for Ian and had created difficulties for them in their journey. And, uh, we've just, and I've done that also with joy and done it with others. And, uh, but that's the key. And I made a commitment also then to build strong relationships. So I made a commitment and I, I required of Ian and Lynn as prophets that they speak what they see and never hold back and say nothing again. That whatever they see, they'll say it to me. And we've committed that we would speak openly and freely to one another and build, we would actually oppose the fruit of that spirit, which is disconnection, by coming together to talk at that kind of different vulnerable level. And I can, all I can say is it's been absolutely wonderful. It has been such a weight off my life. It has been such a freedom to come together. And within a few minutes, we actually can get answers for things quite quickly, very quickly. Uh, I also made a decision to get personal ministry. Joe and I went and got uh, some ministry from Bill Sabritsky and some help to address a few things. Because no one at any point in their life is, is uh, free from the need to deal with the heart. We all have to deal with the heart. And so I felt if I, if I want anything to change, I'm going to lead the way in changing. And I'm on the way. And uh, then finally, uh, I, made, I became very aware, identified areas in leadership style that I have that uh, are, will be inadequate for the coming season. The church at the size it is now needs a change in leadership style and way for it to grow to another level. And of course, that presents its own challenges as well. And uh, however... God is with us. God is helping us. So it's been quite a, a painful season uh, of connecting at this heart level, of talking. But what it's done is it's triggered off 
all kinds of things in all the key leaders in the church and it will trigger it off around you as well. So I have no doubt that what I started to do, uh, I know already it's affected in many different ones at different levels and I just want to honour those who have, through much pain, made a decision, I'm going to open my life for change, I've got council ministry deliverance and have worked on the process of change and are still working on it. I really honour them for that. And uh, I know God always promotes us if we will let him deal with our heart. And so a very, very challenging time. It's been a time of pain and pressure like I've never felt before and tremendous grief. Uh, I would have spent probably uh, two months where the only kind of prayer was just weeping, just weeping in the presence of the Lord. But I've been through there before. I know what that leads to. Then it comes a time when it's over and you come out and something's changed inside you and there's something rising up inside you and you have a new determination and a new vision and a new zeal, a new fire. But you see, change needs to be inside us before it's outside us. So I have resisted the temptation to try and produce external behavior things. I wanted to get the internal heart things right. And I believe that's something that God is wanting to do across the church. And uh, I just thank God for this season but it's been a terribly difficult time. It, it interests me that now other churches, pastors are coming and saying, help me, I don't know how to deal with this thing. Help me, I don't know what to do with it. It's affecting me and I don't know how to get out of it. And so God is, I believe, going to connect us in a much greater way. I tried to do this uh, some years ago with the local pastors. It just hasn't worked, but it will work now. So I thank God for all the changes. And uh, it's a wonderful season, challenging season, but a great season. And uh, God has got the very best ahead for us. So uh, I believe that there's uh, some changes that will take place. Uh, and the, the things that uh, have taken place have been the pressure people have felt and then the heart issues that are coming up. I love it. I just love that God is so faithful. I find him now every time I pray. I find him in the secret place. I've started to feel my heart stir afresh with fresh faith. And I'm so glad. But on the way, it's been very difficult. I have hurt a number of people. Uh, you know, I don't always know that I do that. I don't think we ever do. And uh, I feel in my heart a great grief over that, great sadness. I think when God shows you how, what you're doing and how you're operating and how you're living and how you're functioning and you see some of the, the sadder side of it, you always feel a sadness because you've hurt people. You know, and I realize as I've sort of walked through this, how I've hurt my wife and family and loved ones and people I love and but God's helping me to just work through all of that and shift it because I'm committed to change, committed to grow, committed to be a different person, better person and uh, it's not an easy path. And I'm going to get Joy to come. Joy also has gone through her great season of change and I'd like her to just share with us just the personal things that she has, uh, the personal decisions she's made to change as well. Yes, it's been a... Um, <laughs> A terrible year, really, but we give God the glory because he's changing us and um, rearranging us and hopefully bringing us into a whole new place where we've never been before. Um, I found in, in my journey, um, first of all, a bit like Mike, we had an awareness of disconnection and isolation and thought, well, I actually don't want to live here for the rest of my life because it's really a place of death. And, and, and then we just determined to push in and fast and, and get God to show us stuff. So I found with me the um, revelation of my um, thought patterns and how I got there was quite a help to unraveling it to get out. 
maybe it's the teacher in me, but I had to kind of see how I got there to help me find my journey out. And, um, and also I realized that a place of death comes because it's the wages of sin. Wages of sin is death, and it's a sin pattern that leads to a place of death. And so the way out is the gift of God, but the gods. Thank goodness there's some but gods and a provision of God to find a way out. But for me, um, he, he revealed the sin pattern which I'd fallen into, and it had become quite a habitual pattern in my life. I was quite interested in failing um, preached. Some of, the, some of the things we got us to face were long-standing patterns that had been there for many, many years. And I found it's these long-standing patterns that I started to see far more clearly. So um, uh, particularly whenever there's pain, and of course we have a lot of pain through life, you can't avoid having pain. And I've had, um, but it's the response to pain which led me into trouble. <laughs> I mean, I wish I just ran to God with my pain the minute I got it and said, please help me, you know, I need you, and received his healing power because it, it could have been an easy way. <laughs> but unfortunately, um, more often than not, I became a victim. I just uh, kind of rehearsed my little story to myself over and over again where I was in the middle of the story in a terrible victim place. And victim mentality had become kind of established in my life where um, the more you rehearse your story and live in it, the, the, um, it was a victim mentality. And um, I found the next um, thing I, I got into a pattern of which I sat in a suit of being the judge. And I've realized now that actually we've got to vacate that seat. <laughs> it doesn't belong to us to sit in. But I found it's become a pattern in my life to be in a situation where the first people I judge is those that hurt me. And they should, they ought to, they need to, and all these things they're doing to me because this is how it affected me and, and poor me, 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 because this is what they ought to do. <laughs> and, and once you've gone into that pattern, a belief forms... And then I judged myself. And that was also a pattern where I felt really bad about myself, low self-worth, inadequacy, hopelessness, despair. And, and either one that got judged didn't leave me in a good place. It actually formed beliefs, ungodly beliefs, which um, got embedded. And so having to recognize these beliefs, in fact, my whole identity became, became affected. And... Um, and then um, another way, I, I then wanted to make myself safe. And so to make myself safe from, from really painful experiences, I just created a nice wall around my life, <laughs> which I could hide behind and live behind. And, and then basically then, by then I was in a place of, of death because underneath that wall was actually bitterness and resentment and bitter expectations, bitter judgments, mistrust, a lot of things are buried underneath that wall, and um, you actually, your soul, my, my soul was, was really trapped in a prison, and that really is what death is all about, a, a place of, of death in the soul. And, um, and of course, the effect on others, I really didn't have a, an awareness of how it has affected others. When, when I was isolated and behind my wall, I know a lot of you would have felt abandoned, um, rejected, um, in pain, and disconnected from me. But I actually wasn't aware of how much I really had hurt others by um, creating this wall around my life. And it's probably a lot of grief as I've asked others to give me feedback about how it's affected them, that they've actually felt the rejection and the pain of um, being walled off from me. And I, I really am sorry about that. However, <laughs> the but God. Another thing, of course, when you allow the, 
Well, God's allowed pressure, tremendous pressure, year from hell. Anyway, what it did, <laughs> it surfaced several things. It surfaced actually some of the grief, which was long buried. I really honor um, Sue, who had a prophetic dream. Isn't it amazing how God's been on this? Sue had a prophetic dream and woke up and actually experienced extreme trauma I was going through as an 11-year-old and just saw me in that trauma. And when she <laughs> rehearsed that to me, it's like that trauma opened up and I was back in that situation. In fact, I cried so much, Mike had to leave me alone and go sleep in another bed and just let me cry it out. <laughs> but, you know, the unearthing of, of deep grief um, was incredible. And then the other situations he allowed to be triggered where a, a, a trigger would come and then again there'd be like a well of grief erupt. It was actually rooted in stuff well down below the surface, but a trigger sort of just let it come up. So I think I spent the last term of last year maybe crying most of the time <laughs> because it was just grief after grief that was being triggered and unlocked. And then um, unfortunately when people were trying to help me, what came out was a whole range of very defensive behaviours, <laughs> which I didn't actually want to face. But they, they told me that first of all I blame, and, uh, and it was true. <laughs> and then I justified myself, which was true. <laughs> and then I, I was a victim, which was true. And then my identity was at stake, which was true. And so it was all the time, keep it out there, keep it out there. And because it was actually too painful to go in there. <laughs> but eventually it, did, it was a choice to say, no, Lord, um, I actually will look into my heart rather than blame and, and justify and everything else because really it's the only way to, to face and journey out of it. And then I allowed others to show me what they saw, which is again rather... A fearful thing to do. And I realized what a fear I had of being vulnerable. A huge fear. I'd been vulnerable in the past and it wasn't a good experience at all. And so I had to confront the fear of actually being vulnerable and, um, and then get ministry. That was a real help. Ministry from, um, what's his name? <laughs> Bill Sabritsky. When I arrived in Taiwan, Mike had arranged a counseling appointment with for me there. Bless him. With Jessica. <laughs> I had he and I had, Lynn, I had my dear husband patiently arguing, not arguing, me trying to point out my patterns. <laughs> and uh, anyway, um, and then one thing Ian was very happy, he said, to take the sword of the spirit and to separate the soul from the spirit, because the whole lot had become very entangled and light and darkness and soul and spirit were very much tangled up in my life. And even when Bill Sabritsky ministered, he said there's a, had to be a whole realignment there because everything was all very, you know, sort of confused. Had to face that fear and confront the fear of being vulnerable, of being disapproved of, of rejection, and a whole bunch of fears. And then another thing was control, holding my own life together because it seemed the best way to cope because <laughs> I didn't trust anybody else. And um, so these things, you know, these patterns, the sinful patterns actually, Became to, um, I became aware of them. I began to see them. I began to see and uncover the ungodly beliefs that came from my judgments mainly. And the lies, it's like my heart was just covered with a massive lies. And Jessica said, well, when you think something, kind of separate out the lies and reject those so that I could begin to discern my thoughts and eliminate the lies out of them. Because it's just corrupt, crooked thinking. Um, opened up the areas of pain, which I really didn't want to visit again because 
they were well buried and I thought quite <laughs> out of the way for life. But the Holy Ghost surfaced and addressed and faced areas of pain and, and my sinful reactions and patterns to keep myself from being um, opened up. So it was a revelation. It was painful to receive the feedback, painful to acknowledge it, say, yeah, shucks, you're right. <laughs> I am like that. <laughs> I hate being like that. And um, acknowledging, you know, that is the patterns that had developed. But um, so, you know, God has a provision. Praise God. He gives us a way out. First thing is repentance. Um, I had to apply the blood of Jesus to my sin. And I really, first of all, was I'm sitting in the judgment seat, repeat of being, repent of being judgmental, vacating that seat, saying, God, this is your place. I'm not wanting to go back into the pattern of judging. And, um, and what I actually did, I, in some cases, two or three people that had particularly um, been strong, I actually wrote down the judgment I'd made against them, the judgment I made against myself, and I just tore the thing up and destroyed it, and now said, Lord, I want to see it now from your perspective, <laughs> because your perspective is, is much different from mine. But uh, I repented from that judgment seat, repented of believing the lies, and they become a stronghold. So I got Lynn's little thing she gave me, and day after day I'd read out my list of all the strongholds of this and the strongholds of bitterness, the strongholds of bitter root judgments, the strongholds of everything there. Hold the communion cup, you know, take a communion and just declare those strongholds, particularly of bitterness and bitter roots, um, broken because, you know, become a stronghold and I wanted it smashed and destroyed and um, harboring offenses and, and bitternesses. So basically it's the blood of Jesus for, for sin. And then forgiveness. You have to, I had to forgive and choose to forgive and keep forgiving and forgiving and forgiving and, and release my judgments. Cancel out, throw away the judgments, see what God says about that person and see what God says about me and embrace that and then receive God's healing love into those areas. Something that Yongi Cho said last week, I thought this is so true, he says, Abraham had to come out from his tent and then look up and see the stars. And I felt there was a coming out of my tent of all these beliefs and judgments and things that I was sort of entrapped in and begin to get God's perspective, look up and, um, and, and uh, see others and myself. So um, that's quite a process. There's amazing things that happened. I remember at one stage, there was a, 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 a vision that Lynn had of my, part of my soul being fragmented and in a prison house and really grateful when they led me out of that and into the arms of Jesus and a healing came. But also I feel it's like walking now and in, 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 in new thinking. It doesn't happen overnight. I'm constantly trying to get, walk in a new perspective, a new way of thinking and um, walk into wholeness. Very good, Joy. Thank you very much. We only had one night of her crying all night. I said, you can cry that out. I'm going into the other room. I need to sleep. <laughs> But, you know, it's painful facing stuff. But, however, we're on the way. It's great. Anyway, it's wonderful, and I just uh, have grown to love Ian and, and Lynn 